What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Keeping Stock Sneaker Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gray. This week, we're going to tackle a variety of episodes, ranging from eBay to the Jordan 11 to the potential NBA draft and the NBA season once again, and then wrapping it up with upcoming sneaker releases. But before we hop into that, just want to give you a quick reminder that Keeping Stock is a weekly sneaker podcast uploaded on your favorite podcast platforms every Sunday in short 20 to 30 minute episodes. So if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a like and a rating, follow. And with all that being said, let's get into it. A few weeks back, I talked about the history of the Nike Adapt technology. I've linked that below if you're interested to see how that was developed and how it got to where it is today. And then now, after a sneakers live stream, Jordan Brand reveals on December 30th, the Air Jordan 11 Adapt. We knew about the Air Jordan 11 Jubilee coming out as the big holiday Jordan 11 release, but no one had any inkling that we're going to see an Adapt version of a Jordan model. It caught the internet by surprise. Everyone was shocked. Everyone was tweeting, commenting, writing posts on Reddit, Nike talk about how interesting it was and how well they kept it a secret. But if I'm being honest, do we really want the Jordan 11 Adapt? I personally bought a pair of Adapt sneakers a few weeks ago, and they are the coolest shoes I think I've ever owned in terms of the technology and the comments that people have made about them. But with that being said, they were $350. Is a shoe ever worth $350? That's up to you to decide. But the Air Jordan 11 and the Adapt version is going to be $500, half a stack. You could buy one or two of almost any of the recent Air Jordan 11 releases for resale with that budget. I mean, go on StockX, go on GOAT, and look at the prices that some of these previous Jordan 11s are going for, and you get pretty close to buying one or two pairs for that price at retail. And I'm not 100% sure why Nike as a company and Jordan brand don't like to use original colorways when they release new tech in their sneakers. Take a look at the Air Jordan Zoom 1s, right? They added the Zoom sole to that sneaker, but they're giving it these obscure colorways that don't resonate with any of the classic sneaker guys or people who are interested in the neutral, normal Jordan 1s that sell extremely well. And maybe they're trying this unique approach to freshen up the colorways and the color palettes they're utilizing, but it takes away a little bit of that draw from what you're going after, right? If I'm paying $500 for a, a sneaker, I don't know if I'm going to pay $500 for a sneaker of a classic silhouette with a colorway I've never seen. If they would have said, hey, we're coming out with the Air Jordan 11 Jubilee, the 25th anniversary, and then we're also going to give you the adapt version of the Air Jordan 11 Cool Gray. Sure, I'm on board. That's, I could see how it sells. People love the Cool Gray. People want the adapt technology. But this weird platinum-esque colorway doesn't seem to fit in the wheelhouse of what they've done with other adapt colorways or the wheelhouse of what they've done with Jordan brand colorways. So why not use a traditional original colorway? I mean, this would have been the perfect option to bring out the Space Jam. Give me a futuristic colorway of the Air Jordan 11 in the Space Jam with the Adapt technology. It's from outer space. That's a story. That sells. That ties it all together. That's moving to the future. 
but giving me some throwaway colorway on this new technology for this classic sneaker at $500 just doesn't sit well with me. But if you're in the market for your first pair of Adapt sneakers, the first Jordan Adapt, this is also very cool. It's the first of its kind in Jordan history. Maybe we will down the line see more Adapt technology utilized in Jordan brand sneakers, but this will be the first one. So you'll have a piece of Jordan brand history. You may not have the Air Jordan 1 1985, but you'll have the first Adapt from the Jordan brand. That being said, what happened to not changing the classics? Jordan has done this for so long where they haven't upgraded the classics, added new insoles, added any type of new technology or new materials for performance. They've kept it classic because it is a classic sneaker. So I wonder what pivoted them to try out this new tech and why adapt tech? Why not make an Air Jordan 11 Zoom? Why not make the Air Jordan 11 Fly Ease for those with disabilities? And Cousteau said it before I could, but I love the adapt technology and I love it gives function to people who may not be able to put on their shoes and tie their laces. However, are they going to be able to get the shoe at $500 in a limited quantity? Probably not. And we talked about it in that adapt podcast. Maybe it's technology of scale. Once again, they just can't get that price lower. They know people in the holidays are willing to pay. And so they price it at 500 and maybe that's it. Maybe they just wanted to get that extra $150 from a normal adapt or almost $300 from the regular Jordan 11 retail price. Why? That's the biggest question is why to me. Why use the Jordan 11? Why not use a new silhouette? Why not use the Jordan 35, which is already futuristic with that eclipse plate and give it a cool functionality? Is the Jordan 11 going to be performance oriented? This adapt version where we're seeing it on court by Jason Tatum? Because I'm sure it's not lighter than the original Jordan 11. And I'm sure it has, if not the same materials, very similar. So not much has changed besides that technology. Is that leading to a performance boost in that sneaker? I'm not sure. I haven't seen it in hands. I can't tell you. But I can imagine if you put that on the Jordan 35 in a unique colorway and packed it with a Jordan 11, people would be interested. It seems to make a little bit more sense. But to me, it just seems like a cash grab. Hey, we know this Adapt technology is working. People enjoy it. We've put it into a performance-specific basketball shoe already. Let's just throw it into a Jordan 11 and charge $300 more dollars for those who can pay for it. It just seems a little odd. And maybe this is them just fighting stagnation. I talked a little bit about it with Mike Sykes, and it just seems like Jordan is so stuck on their bread and butter that soon enough I could see them falling behind as this retro hype begins to die. I'm a personally huge fan of the Jordan 1, but I can only have so many colorways and they're just getting pushed ferociously. The Jordan 3, the Jordan 4, the Jordan 5. Put them on ice. Put the Jordan 11 on ice for a year after this Jubilee colorway or after the Cool Gray colorway rumored for next year, which I'm stoked about. Cool Gray's coming back is awesome. That just leaves the Columbia's in their original style to come back. Legend Blues were uh, not up to standards, but then put them on ice, right? Give us some new models to try for. Try to be different with some more iterations and bringing out the Jordan 2 more often. Maybe the Jordan 7 more often. Maybe play around and see if some of those later Jordan models, the 23s, the 20s, the 18s, see if you can do anything with those. So that way when you re-release 
these retros again, it doesn't seem so watered down. And that's the Air Jordan 11 Adapt. I think the Jubilee colorway overall, if we're talking about that, primarily, it's basically like a Space Jam in, in most regards, just primarily black on the upper with the translucent outsole. It's pretty neutral. I'm not a huge fan. I don't hate it. If you can get your hands on it, great. I think they'll be available. I think there'll be a ton of pairs. You'll just have to put your work in. And I think they're a very wearable colorway of the Jordan 11. I think they do homage to being the 25th anniversary with the 25 on the heel and in the insole. But I'm truly, really excited for the 2021 cool grays that are released. I hope those are actually coming out. Usually around this time when we get those leaks, they're pretty accurate. That's what we got at the Jubilees last year. I'm going to try to buy two or three pairs of those cool grays. And then maybe I retire from the sneaker game in some regards. Because if Jordan Brand keeps pushing out these retros, maybe I stay away from Jordan Brand and start venturing into new brands more heavily. Because if Jordan Brand is essentially just going to try to get me to pay more for a slight variation or a non-original or just this crazy color or this new oddly placed tech, I feel like I'm the prey and they're the predator in this situation. Where I don't know if people, like I said at the top, really want the Jordan 11 Adapt because they like it, but they just are trained to like Jordan 11s during the holiday, and those who buy it for $500 are going to be price gouged and look back on it in six or seven months and say, why did I buy this? But maybe I'm wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong. Let me know your thoughts on the Jordan 11 Jubilee in the Adapt colorway, or what you think about for the cool grays in the future, if that's something you're interested in. I'd love to hear your feedback so I don't feel so one-sided. As I mentioned, it just doesn't make sense. And on the other side, you could have the first pair of Adapt technology in the Jordan line and be part of that sneaker history. In another note, in regards to sneaker history, let's talk eBay real quick. I haven't touched on it. I wasn't really sure how it was working out. But eBay obviously launched its authentication program recently. And the reviews so far have been mixed. I saw MJo23Dan post about this, essentially asking the question after someone had run into this problem, say you're a big time collector of the original colorways of a sneaker. Right now saying it's Jordan brand because they're only checking Jordan and Yeezy over $200 to be authentic. And theoretically, it's in new condition. It's never been worn. But with it never being worn, it's starting to crumble and fall apart and be delicate. What happens... When you sell this on eBay, because that's where the market is for collectors primarily, and you don't want it authenticated, is there an option to not have shoes authenticated when you send them off? Because it looks like that's the way they're kind of pushing a lot of this to fight a lot of the fraud that historically has happened on eBay in the sneaker realm, fight all the chargebacks, all the different fees that they have to eat, cut down on some of those costs. And so you send it to eBay and they take out this collecting item that is falling apart and they damage the shoe and the seller and the buyer are on the same page, got enough pictures, understand the condition. Once it gets to the buyer, they're not happy with it because it's fallen apart further. Maybe the full midsole has detached. Maybe they've taken off a large chunk of paint. Maybe in other ways it's been damaged and they say, I'm not happy with this. They send it back. eBay says, yep, this is what we verified sends it back to the seller. Now the seller can't get nearly as much money for it because it's in worse condition. Are they being refunded or aided by eBay in some regards? I'm not sure. This is, once again, very new to eBay, and they're going to pivot and learn. 
It started in October. They were only, like I said, going after Yeezys and Jordans over $200 in new condition, preferably with the box. You could do it without the box. Very similar to StockX. They'll verify it, put their little NFC chip so you can scan it and verify that it was actually from eBay. The kicker is there's no fees evaluated with eBay's authentication, so direct competition with GOAT and StockX. And eBay's kind of been in in the outfield watching what GOAT and StockX have been doing and learning from their mistakes. Now they come in and say, we'll authenticate it for free. Here you go. We've cut all fees on shoe orders over $200. We'll give you verified returns if it doesn't meet your standards. But as we transition into 2021, when they hope to do all new and some pre-owned shoes for over $100, that volume grows exponentially because now you're also entering eBay, which is probably the number one market for pre-owned sneakers flooding your authentication sites. And we know what that did to StockX. We know it put them back quite a bit of time when the pandemic first happened. We know that it's going to take time to get to the buyer, which means holding the seller's funds longer, which creates angry customers. And if they can stay on top of it, they're definitely going to eat into the market share of StockX and GOAT by cutting out these fees, being a lower cost, being more efficient, getting the sellers their money quicker, and providing it to such a large market that eBay offers that it will make it hard to accurately compete for StockX. Granted, eBay could draw this crowd and then say, you know what, authentication isn't mandatory, but we're still going to cut out a lot of those fees on expensive shoes. So now you can sell pre-owned, obviously, but you're selling new shoes at a lower clip than what would be at StockX. You can have them verified, you can not have them verified, and you continue with it, but you've been brought back to eBay, the original number one player in the game. Overall, I think it's great for the sneaker landscape. Now you have three credible options to authenticate your sneakers, GOAT, StockX, and eBay, whose sneakers are authenticated by SneakerCon, and various outlets now to check different prices. Is it cheaper on GOAT? Is it cheaper on StockX? Is it cheaper on eBay? How do those fees factor in? You now have a plethora of options to choose from if you want to purchase a shoe you've been looking for for a while. I think the next step for eBay to make it even a more strict competitor is maybe categorizing a little bit better and cutting out a little bit of that user journey and wasted time on the site. Because if a shoe is brand new, and this is where StockX exceeds expectations, is you don't have to look at 600 different Air Jordan 3 black cement listings for what's the best price or the photos and how you feel about it or the seller ratings. If you go to eBay and you wanted an Air Jordan 3 black cement, you look at all the different listings, look at the different shipping, the seller ratings, this, that, and the third. But now if authentication comes through the line, what does it matter what a seller rating is? They've sent it to the authentication center and sent it to you, and it was authentic. You're good to go. You don't have to worry about going through all that hassle now. And maybe that's the next logical step, but they're just starting. It's going to be a fun time for sneakers. Maybe it it makes StockX cut down their fees if they do eat enough market share. But I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on what platform you're utilizing. Do you really care that sneakers are being authenticated? Are you willing to pay that extra fee for the convenience of StockX? Or are you gonna go for the cheaper route and use the likes of maybe an eBay or a GOAT? I'm fascinated to hear what you guys have to say about that and the Jordan 11s. 
Before we hop into cool content here, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back. Take a minute, just look down at the shoes you're wearing right now, or the shoes your favorite NBA player is wearing, or the brand that sponsors your favorite college football team. Sneakers and the business that they're a part of matter, and you didn't even know it. The Kicks You Wear newsletter dives deep into the footwear and sneaker industry covering subjects ranging from trending sneaker topics, company finances and expectations, industry commentary, and more. But the best part is the community you join. The Kicks You Wear newsletter hosts a weekly thread seeking your opinions, stories, and conversation around a specified question of the week. Further, show off a photograph of your sneaker of the week in the Twitter chat on Thursdays for the hashtag Kicks We Wear section of the newsletter. And did I mention that there's two newsletters a week? So make sure to visit kyw.substack.com or visit the link in the show notes below to dive into all things sneakers every Monday and Friday with the Kicks You Wear newsletter by Mike Sykes. And we're back with some cool content. And I know I was going to talk about the NBA and the basketball season, but my friend just texted me talking about the PS5 and the Xbox. And so I figured this was a good segue to talk about what's happening in the PS5 and the Xbox community. Essentially, resell is as high as ever. And you can't knock it. It's a hustle. The only thing you can knock, in my opinion, is the people who are willing to pay resale. Gaming consoles are a luxury good. There's no reason that you have to pay resale for a PlayStation or Xbox. Historically, you know that the PlayStation and the Xbox are going to be available in January, February, next October, next November, whenever it may be, because we see the duration it takes to get a new console. So those individuals who are paying 300, 400 extra dollars to get this good is where I'm confused. I understand if you want to be a great parent, but at the same note, you don't have to get the new console to be a great parent. Granted, this is short term. Maybe the Xbox and PlayStation are hard to get long term. Maybe it turns into what we're seeing with the Nintendo Switch, where people are constantly flipping those. As I said, you can't knock the hustle. If someone can make $300, $400 per Xbox they can acquire, especially in these times, it is what it is. Personally, I want to get an Xbox. and I went to the store and I saw the Series S. I'm looking for the Series X. It was in stock. I didn't grab it. I didn't want it. I could have sold it. I didn't. But I'm just going to wait. Nothing is holding me back from waiting until February or March to pick up this console and play the same games everyone else has been playing. So it'll be interesting to see how this changes, but we've seen sneaker Twitter and the sneaker community go from reselling sneakers recently and actively doing that to entering sports cards which we talked about, to entering Pokemon, which is popping off, now into consoles. So really, what's next? What's the next big thing to resell? Are Beanie Babies going to come back? Are they going to transition into artwork? Who knows what it's going to be and what that next commodity to resell is. But it's been very interesting to see how quickly people are flipping these PlayStation and Xboxes. Further, let's talk about Travis Scott. Travis Scott is the brand of the year. He's done so many different collaborations that have been a hit during 2020, which is an odd time. But his recent PlayStation collaboration, off the charts. The James Blake feature, 
Excellent. Gave away some Xbox or Playstations to kids. Created a whole launch experience and mini digital experience for those who watched. His PlayStation merchandise that he did might be some of the best that he's done this year, even though you probably won't get it until 2022. Further, I mean, they have the Travis Scott Nike PlayStation Dunk, but five total pairs? Whoever gets a pair of those is going to set the market because you know it's going to be five different sizes. Maybe one person wants a 12, a 10. That means there will be likely one to three pairs of that size in existence. Counting, I'm sure Travis got some extra for friends and family. But generally, one to three, you could see those hitting twenty, thirty thousand dollars depending on what people want to pay. So, very interesting. Travis Scott, brand of the year, PlayStation, Xbox. Let me know what console you're playing on. I'm going to try to grab an Xbox, like I said. Maybe we can link up online sometimes. But with that being said, here's the upcoming releases. Here we see the Mr. Doodle and Puma Sky coming out on the 15th classic high top predominantly leather with the strap from puma we get the nike overbreak in baroque brown on the 17th we see the air jordan one mid woman's homecoming we're seeing a lot of mids what are your guys' thoughts on mids for me personally not a huge fan i think the shape is a little odd and i'm not a huge fan of the tongues and the logo on the tongues i do like the blue the greats that i do have but that's really the only mid that i've ever bought and i really Really bought it for the materials and blew the artist. But the Air Jordan 1 Mids Woman Homecoming comes out for $130 on the 18th. We see the Air Max 1 Magma Orange. If you're an Air Max fan, this is the time to buy. It seems like a lot of people slept on the infrared colorway and the Air Max 1 in general. So this might be one that you can you can grab if you are an Air Max fan. See the Nike Dunk Low Ceramic 2020. You know, dunks are hot. I think this will be tough to get as well, so... Best of luck. On the 19th, we see the Hot Ones in Reebok Shack Gnosis. Shout out to Sean Evans. Shout out to Hot Ones. Great show. Just caught the Thundercat episode. Dude's got a lot of knowledge about music and is pretty down to earth. So if you do enjoy Hot Ones, check that out. But this Shack Gnosis will be $140 in the Hot Ones colorways. We get the Elf in Puma Clyde. Another fun storytelling device here by Puma in the Puma Clyde Pro for $130 in Will Ferrell's Elf colorway. We get the How Did Nike Drop the Ball Marvel PlayStation and Adidas Superstar Miles Morialis for $90. The color blocking on here is a little odd to me. Really bright. Still not sure how Nike let this one slip through, but Adidas picked it up. It's going to give you a Superstar on the 19th for that PlayStation and Superstar colorway. We see the Pharrell and Adidas NMD Human Race in black and white. Another NMD we get the Reebok Questions Mid 76ers Alternate, continuing with the questions, and another great colorway. Relatively affordable at $140, and an easy and an easy purchase would be my guess if you're really trying for them. I could be wrong, but I think it's going to release in terms of people who really want them are going to be able to get their hands on a pair. We get the Nike Air Penny 3 2020 in the Do It For Dez colorway for 155 Haven't seen these in a little bit. Great throwback. One of the better lines in Nike history is the Air Penny. Definitely going to be a bit heavier than you're used to, but for 155 not a bad deal. We get the Nike Air Presto Soar. We get the Bape and Undefeated Adidas ZX8000 in black and a ZX800 in green from Bape Undefeated in Adidas. The potential Air Jordan 3 Court Purple or the Phoenix Suns colorway. 
meh, not for me, but I'm sure some people will find a way to hype these up. They're basically the black cement. Just change the gray for purple in most cases. We also will see the concept Nike SB Dunk High Ter Duncan. I think these ones are going to be tough to get. It's a very unique shoe, and those teams seem to do very well in these times. So that's come out on the 21st for $120. And you can always count on concept releases to be pretty hard to get. And followed by the Pharrell Adidas Human Race in Green. That's all your releases for this week. Best of luck on any of those purchases. Best of luck to your wallet because these purchases are only starting to heat up as we go into the holidays. As always, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And if you are interested in the Nike Adapt technology or the history of the Air Jordan 11, I'll have both of those previous podcasts down in the show notes below if you have the time. I thank you for uh, stopping in and listening. And I'll catch you next week.